What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And this is episode 216. We got your 2022 Colorado High School Football 4A end of the year awards. I'm your only host for today because, uh, well, you know, it is Thanksgiving weekend. Cody will tune in with some of his audio clips and his picks uh, slash votes here. But other than that, you know, the rest of the guys are going to have a little bit of a break. Happy late Thanksgiving, by the way, from the PMC fam from Playmakers Corner. Hopefully, y'all have had a good one. This should be coming out the day after. So, yeah, but let's go ahead and talk about the process here. So, we got four awards. We got Defensive Playmaker of the Year, Offensive Playmaker of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, which goes to the best freshman um, playing on varsity and that whole performance, all that great stuff. And then we got Most Valuable. Valuable playmaker. Those are pretty self-explanatory there. And then there are five total votes. Starting with you, the fans. If you got to vote on our Twitter, uh, whoever wins the majority of the fan vote, that is one vote. We'll also announce who wins the majority on here as well, so that at least you could hear, you know, who won all of those. Uh, thank you for voting on our Twitter, by the way, for that. So that's one vote. I will have one vote, Gideon will have one vote, Cody will have one vote, and then Ryan Wesley of Prep Red Zone will also have a vote for all of these. Ryan, um, Coach Wes, he has done a lot for Colorado High School football, to be honest with you. He's covered it very well. I'm pretty sure outside of us, he's probably been to the most games, or uh, I'd imagine uh, has been to the most games outside of us, and so he knows what he's obviously talking about, go ahead and check out Coach West, we'll make sure to tag him on our Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that stuff, it'll be there, and then check out Prep Red Zone as well, I believe there's a showcase in December, so uh, keep that in mind, but those are all the votes here, Obviously, the candidate who gets the most vote wins in a case of a tie. So say it's 2-2-1. Two, two, That's usually how it is. The tiebreaker goes to whoever won the fan vote. Uh, that's how we are going to do it here. So there you go. You know the rules. Oh, and on this episode, we're also going to talk about the all playmaker team, but that'll be at the end. I'll explain how that works when we get there. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Okay, and so we are going to start with newcomer of the year. This award goes to the best freshman on the varsity level. These guys have stepped up and did their thing and contributed to their squads only as freshmen. So all class of 2026 guys here. Uh, I am going to also put this out there because I don't know if we have in previous end of the year award shows but all of these guys will make our watch list uh all four of these guys on this newcomer of the year list will make our watch list going into next year but let's go ahead and start with the candidates starting with Trayvon Salas the Mesa Ridge running back 5'11 177 on the year he ran for 817 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns also caught a couple balls here as well and by the way all the stats they are regular season stats here this is i mean all these awards are regular season awards so just keep that in mind but trayvon i mean he was able to put in a lot of work in a split backfield and honestly this was a kid that i actually was able to scout in the spring 
back when he played for Mesa Ridge, and I knew he was good. I wasn't sure if he was going to get snaps because I knew they had a great workhorse in Isaiah Jones back there uh, who did it all for them last year. And so I wasn't sure if Trayvon Salas was going to come in and get snaps right away, but he did, and they trusted him, and he did the most with that. I mean, he had plenty of great performances while splitting carries. You got to keep that in mind. He ran for 800 yards and nine touchdowns while splitting carries uh, with a equally talented back in the backfield in my opinion as well a couple key games i want to shout out here even though they lost to dakota ridge in that game he had 17 carries 84 rushing yards and rushing touchdown uh, in a palmer ridge loss as well before that he had 55 yards and a touchdown against pueblo west who they actually beat he had 68 yards and a touchdown uh coronado was probably statistically one of his best games only six carries but 93 yards and two touchdowns in that one um and then in against monarch i believe this is a playoff game i know we are talking mostly regular season games but he ran for 124 yards and a touchdown in that one an extremely productive back who already is getting in a lot of work with a very good Mesa Ridge program. So you love to see that. Moving on though, we got another candidate here in Joey Foote. He's a wide receiver freshman from Longmont High School on the year. He caught for 510 receiving yards i'm pretty sure and just in the regular season and three receiving touchdowns uh, 34 receptions i mean he has really stepped up in the place of some really good receivers who graduated last year and he took that opportunity that was given to him his first big game was against denver south on uh september 9th they lost that one but he still caught for four receptions and 100 yards on that one had a good game against silver creek which they won through reception 74 yards against monarch which proved to be really important playoff wise uh he had seven receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown i'm pretty sure this is still regular season but against erie he had six receptions and 70 yards and obviously that is a very good program out there and so obviously putting in a lot of work for longmont here a team that likes to throw the ball a ton and i mean he took his opportunity and stepped up now let's talk about another receiver here kobe dooley out of vista ridge this is another guy that i've been able to watch uh for two years now watched him in his eighth grade year and then watched him in the spring a little bit as well but on the year 25 receptions 314 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns, like I said, regular season stats there. I mean, he did his thing when called upon against Cheyenne Mountain, um, probably his best game. He had seven receptions, 75 receiving yards and a touchdown earlier on in the season against Falcon. He got some burn here. Three receptions, 72 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he is in a very crowded receiving room as well. Obviously, you have his older brother, Keyshawn, who caught 4,010 plus. Then you have B.B. Hills, a D1 Washington State commit, uh, who we'll talk about later, who caught for over 1,010 touchdowns as well. Gavin Jenkins, uh, the running backs. And so, for him to make an impact here in a very crowded receiving room and go to work uh, is big time. You know, it's definitely big time and he's going to continue to work 
and probably be the number one receiver or one of the top receivers going to next year, especially with all the seniors they are graduating. But for him to continue to put in work and for that to show on the football field as well is big time. So there you go. That's the speedster Kobe Dooley. And then our last finalist here is Adrian Della O out of Adams City. He is a wide receiver and cornerback here. But we have him mostly on this list for his work at corner. I mean, on the year, 31 tackles, three interceptions, uh, caught a pick against Hinkley, Northfield, and Aurora Central, and then a pass deflection. Look, Adam City, you know, we don't always talk about them. They don't always have a bunch of uh, a bunch of news to talk about, to be honest with you. But Adrian, Adrian Della O is definitely a bright spot in that program and somebody who we're looking forward to uh, seeing continue to develop and get better for them so there you go those are your four finalists let's go ahead and get down to business here let's go ahead and start with the twitter vote here the fan vote and so your fan vote for newcomer of the year is Kobe Dooley. He got 44%, about 44% of the votes, uh, over 350 votes on this one, so thank you for that one. The next closest was Joey Foote with 27%, Trayvon Salas with 22 and Adrian, Adrian Della O is in seventh. And so there you go, the first vote is cast for Kobe Dooley. He wins your fan vote here, so just remember, like I said, if it does end up being a tie, uh, for any reason, it's going to go to the fan vote. Now, Gideon is going to go ahead and he, let me just read off what he has to say here. Almost spoiled his vote there. But he says, in, vor in 4A, newcomer of the year is between Longmont's Joey Foote, Mesa Ridge's Trayvon Salas, Vista Ridge's Kobe Dooley, and Adam City's Adrian Della O. For me, I have to go with Salas. Over 800 rushing yards, 9 tutties, and a handful of receiving yards is insane on any squad. On the 10 seed, damn. Everyone else was qualified, but Salas has the right combination of individual and team success to get my nomination. Best of luck to all four candidates and all freshmen listening in the coming years of your career. So there you go. That is going to go ahead and cast a vote for the outstanding running back Trayvon Sawas. Now, Ryan Wesley, Coach Wes, here is who he's going to cast his vote for. He says, another tough pick, but Kobe Dooley showed phenomenal potential of what's to come for the next three years at Vista Ridge. His speed alone is enough to steal the spotlight. Dooley looked as if he was a varsity returner rather than a newcomer. And so there you go. Uh, Coach Wes is going to go ahead and vote for Kobe Dooley, making it two votes for Kobe Dooley and one vote for Trayvon Salas. Let me go ahead and kick it to Cody to talk about his vote. All right. When talking about newcomer of the year, obviously there's plenty of talent in this set of newcomers, guys who really stood out, guys who, you know, are amongst state leaders even in some of these positions here. But I'm going to have to choose for my newcomer of the year. I'm going to go with Trayvon Salas here. Look, the production and the amount of touches here is just unrivaled by any of the other guys to get 150 touches this season 
is just absolutely crazy. And to do so in a backfield that already has a proven tailback is even more bonkers. And, you know, looking at what he was able to accomplish this year, there's, you know, there's definitely two games where he struggled quite a bit, I'd say. But, I mean, he also had games where he absolutely popped off. I know that this is regular season awards, but, you know, in that opening round against Monarch, he did do his thing, getting a season-high 21 carries and a season-high 124 yards. Seeing a freshman play their best football in the postseason is just awesome to see. And, you know, he's somebody who is able to contribute a few reception yards here and there. And so I think that his ability to, well, his ability to make this backfield a committee backfield is just crazy. And the amount of touchdowns that he got this year, I mean, being able to score in almost every single game, basically excluding three in the regular season is nuts. Um, scoring against the likes of a Palmer Ridge team, him being the only Grizzly that scored that day, him scoring against the likes of a Dakota Ridge team, a playoff team, you know what I mean? And Widefield, a playoff team, Pueblo West, a playoff team. So his contributions were felt in the best of ways here. And that is why for my newcomer of the year, I am going to go with Mesa Ridge's very own Trayvon Salas. All right, and there you hear it, it is tied 2-2 between Trayvon Salas and Kobe Dooley. I am going to go ahead and spoil it. I'm going to go ahead and pick the candidate between these two. Uh, I mean, I had my vote before then anyways, but your 2022 Colorado High School Football for a newcomer of the year is Mesa Ridge's Trayvon Salas, the running back. Look, you know, love Kobe Dooley. Love what he's going to do. His future is super bright. I expect him to potentially be an MVP candidate, Opoi candidate in the coming years. Anything less, I'd be really surprised, to be honest with you. Uh, same with Joey Foote out of Longmont, and same with Adrian Della O. If you're able to do it and produce on this level at this point in your career as a freshman, then the sky is the limit. And so I got a lot of respect for these guys, but I just got to go with Trayvon Salas. I got to see him play live here against Montrose. And I mean, look, in that game, he only had seven carries, 25 yards, but he was impressive. He didn't get the carries in that game just because they were... I mean, you know, they had to play from behind and whatnot, so they had to pass a lot more than they probably wanted to. But he was impressive. I mean, he did a good job, showed that he could run with equal speed and power and agility. I mean, he is a very complete back already as a freshman, and I'm really excited for him moving forward. And honestly, if you just look at the full body of work, he was very consistent here. I mean... Outside of that Montrose game here in the regular season, he rushed for over 50 yards every game and almost had a touchdown every game like Cody said in his segment. And so I had to go with Trayvon Salas. And like I said before the season, I wasn't sure if he was even going to get snaps. I knew they had a stud in Isaiah Jones, who is a great all-around athlete and all that stuff. If Salas got in there, maybe, you know, it would just be a change of pace type of guy. But he quickly proved that he was very well-deserving of all of these carries here. I mean, he got 15 carries in his second-ever varsity game, you know, and that's pretty big. And so, love his game. 
I think all of these guys are going to be big time moving forward. They're going to be the future faces of Colorado high school football. And I am just really excited for that. But I got to go with Trayvon Salas as your 2022 for a newcomer of the year. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about defensive playmaker of the year. Uh, there are a lot of good candidates here. Let's go ahead and start with the Ponderosa linebacker. That is Cape Olsen, senior linebacker for them, by the way. On the year in the regular season, he had 150 tackles. I believe that led foray. Uh, he had 21 tackles for loss, three sacks, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. Look, this Ponderosa team, they're losing some pieces. But I did say this in the preseason preview, so I'm going to take a little bit of credit there, that they have returning linebackers, and I name-dropped Cape Olsen specifically, and he did not disappoint at all. I mean, he led a very solid Ponderosa defense, and they usually are, but with Cape Olsen there to lead, I mean, they did a very good job. He cleaned up. 150 tackles is absolutely insane, though, and also a casual 21 tackles for loss and I mean that's big time you know that's definitely big time and I mean you got to include the 4A tackle leader and defensive playmaker of the year I feel like that's obvious but I mean watching him play as well he was all over got to see him play against Denver South and in that game specifically he had 15 tackles in that one and so there you go. He was turning up. Now, let me go ahead and highlight some other key performances. They did lose to Palmer Ridge. It's still a close one, but he had 17 tackles, three tackles for loss in that one. In a crosstown rivalry game that they won against the legend, 21-14, he had 19 tackles and two tackles for loss in that one. That is huge, obviously. Um, and then some other performances, too, at the end of the year that I really want to talk about against Far Northeast. He had 30 tackles, Jesus Christ, and three tackles for loss and a sack. So there you go. And then against Thomas Jefferson here, that was a really close one. They only won seven to six. So in those type of games, these tackles and stats mean a bit more. But he had 22 tackles and two tackles for a loss in that one. And so those are some of his key games here against a very good comp. And like I said, he was able to lead a very good Ponderosa defense. And this wasn't super surprising. Like, I mean, I called this in their preseason preview and whatnot. And I mean, the number of times this defense has stood tall while the offense has struggled or was not completely healthy uh, was huge. You know, that's a big reason why they were so successful this year and were viewed as a threat for most of the season, you know, and so. Uh, that's Cape Olsen out of Ponderosa. He was the heart and soul of that defense. Definitely, uh, I mean, he was an easy lock for defensive playmaker of the year. Now, let's go ahead and talk about another guy who I felt like was an easy lock here. And he is one of the youngest guys to be considered for defensive playmaker of the year for any end of the year award on any classification, actually, outside of newcomer, obviously. But that is Mikhail Benner. The cornerback, the sophomore out of Broomfield High School here in the regular season. He had 29 tackles and 7 interceptions. Pretty sure he led, 
I want to say he led 4A in picks or is up there. If not, he's leading 4A now in picks. Uh, so there you go. But some key games to talk about here. I mean, against Holy Family, that was obviously a blowout. But in that game, he had five tackles and two interceptions, getting off to a hot start. Against Erie, a game that we were at playing against three-star Blake Barnett. He had four tackles and a key interception in that one. Against Dakota Ridge, uh, a great quarterback, a uh, good quarterback in Blake Palladino, an explosive offense. He had three interceptions in that game and three tackles. Cody, I believe, was there. And then against Heritage at the very end of the season, in the regular season, not this last playoff game, he had a pick in that one. Uh, a pick and, oh, never mind. I guess it was just the one pick in that game. But that was a 17-13 to 13 game, a very close one there. So there you go. Now, I'm going to go ahead and mention the playoffs here. This is, I mean, you know, mostly regular season awards, but I think this is worth mentioning. In that Heritage game, uh, the second time around in the playoffs, I mean, it was not as close. He had three interceptions to that one. Pretty sure he had two pick sixes or a pick six in that game as well. And so Mikhail Benner, just a sophomore, but already looking like one of the best cornerbacks in all of Colorado. So another easy walk at defensive playmaker of the year here for Foray. Now let me talk about another finalist and Nick Long from Heritage, who's only a junior here. He is an edge rusher, but on the year, he had 45 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, and 10 sacks in Foray. He was one of the sack leaders, if not the sack leader. And I mean, he was part of a defense in Heritage that has kind of been on the rise, you know. Heritage as a program in general has been on the rise last year. Had a tough season this year. Not only did they get better, which is what you want, obviously, out of any young program, a young football team, but Heritage took a huge step forward and, you know, really started to, you know, solidify their identity. They're a very good defensive school here. Nick Long was one of those guys that really just took over for them and uh, did their thing. Now, let me go ahead and talk about some key games here. They would go ahead and play 5A Mountain Vista, uh, a very explosive offense, by the way. And even though they lost, he had five tackles and three sacks against a 5A team in that game. Against Overland, another 5A team, I believe, he had a sack and four tackles. Against Fruita Monument, this was a very key game for Heritage. They would beat them 20-13. to And in that game, he had eight tackles, two tackles for loss, and two sacks there. Against Broomfield, uh, the first time around, even though they lost, he had eight tackles and two sacks contributing to that uh, game there. And so Nick Long out of Heritage is only a junior, so you got to keep that in mind. But for him to put up these stats in big games and really turn up when they needed him is, is huge. You know, and his film looks pretty good as well. Definitely somebody to consider for next year's top 10 edge rushers. Uh, not top 10, top 5 edge rushers for sure there. So 
There you go, that is Nick Wong out of Heritage, part of that resurgence there. And then our last defensive playmaker of the year candidate is actually another guy from that resurging Heritage program and a junior as well. So he has one more year with Nick Wong and that is the safety Rex Guthrie here. I mean, on the year he had 100 tackles from the safety spot. Just keep that in mind. Eight tackles for loss. Three interceptions, 11 pass deflections, and a forced fumble here. I mean, he was super active up in it for this team. I mean, he had a couple key games. Let's go ahead and talk about it here. Let me talk about the Arapahoe game, their rivalry, the Milk Jug game here. I mean, they didn't win, but in this one, he still had 16 tackles, two tackles for loss, an interception, and a pass deflection, and they only lost 14 to 24, so it wasn't like this was a complete blowout, and these are all garbage time stats. Like, no, Rex here went to work from his safety spot, and so that is definitely a key game against a 5A opponent there. Uh, against Fruita Monument, he had 16 tackles. Again, that's a dub in a key game there. No interceptions. They didn't throw it their way. Uh, but obviously, Fruita Monument is more of a running team anyways. Against Broomfield, he was a very sure tackler with about 13 tackles in that game. And so, he's a tackle machine here. But obviously, if you look at his film and look at what he's done, he covers extremely well and has done a lot for this Heritage defense. Uh, and look, we try not to put two candidates, you know, from the same school and whatnot when it comes to these end of the year awards just because we feel like it might take away from each other. But honestly, they were super deserving. I mean, Rex here was one of the top tacklers in the entire state and easily one of the best safeties. We'll talk about that later when we talk about all playmaker lists. And then Nick Long, I mean, he was one of the premier edge rushers for uh heritage and on the 4a level which really didn't have a lot of great edge rushers to be honest with you and so both of those guys are definitely worth considering and so that's why they are in our defensive playmaker of the year conversation but you know what let's go ahead and go to the votes here let's start with twitter uh polls have ended and so with 812 total votes once again thank you so much for tuning in here the fan defensive playmaker of the year uh candidate the one who won it won all the votes is Mikhail Benner with 40% of the votes here, uh, doing a very good job there. Then you have Nick Long with 29%, not too far away. Kate Olsen at 19 and Rex Guthrie, uh, Guthrie at 12%. Excuse me if I'm saying that wrong. And so there you go. Mikhail Benner has won the fan vote for Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Now let's go to Gideon and talk about his vote here. He said... Defensive playmaker of the year is really close. Heritage, Heritage's Rex Guthrie and Nick Long, Ponderosa's Cape Olsen and Broomfield's Mikhail Benner are all good candidates and really close in my eyes. I'm going to have to go with Cape Olsen. Captaining that defense takes an insane amount of dedication and 150 tackles shows a lot. Three sacks isn't as much as some of the other guys, but he is a crazy good player. I'll give this to Olsen so there we go that's one vote for Mikhail Benner one vote for Cape Olsen let's go ahead and see what Ryan Wesley from Prep Red Zone had to say and what his vote is 
but he is going to go ahead and go with Rex Guthrie, the heritage safety. He said this was a tough one, but it's hard not to go with the DB who tallied over 100 tackles, four takeaways, and double-digit pass deflections. Having a safety like Guthrie opens up the playbook, not to mention that they're hard to come by. His performance had a significant impact on his team's success. And so there you have it. It is split three ways between Mikhail Benner, Kate Olsen, and now Rex Guthrie of Heritage. Let's go ahead and see what Cody has to say and if he will continue to split the vote or add on to somebody. When looking at, I mean, just all these awards in general, the pool of talent here is very, very close. And that's why there's a lot of new, you know, new faces and why there's a lot of honorable mentions when looking at all these lists. But, you know, Defensive Playmaker of the Year was one of the tougher ones to even put the candidate list together here. There are some studs who do everything on the football field here in every single way. But I think I'm going to have to go with Cape Olsen here out of Ponderosa. I feel like Cape here is really the heartbeat and the consistent force of this Ponderosa squad. You know, there were times when the offense was having an off day or maybe they had somebody else at quarterback or maybe quarterbacks were rotating due to health or maybe the run game wasn't always clicking. But what was always there is you could guarantee that Cape Olsen was going to be getting tackles for this defense. And I think that that's pretty evident when you look at even on his own squad or you look across the state, Cape Olsen was head and shoulders above the rest. I mean, ending the year, this obviously including postseason up until this point, but he averaged almost 15 tackles a game. The next closest average tackles per game for somebody over 100 tackles is 11.8. So he's still averaging three more tackles than the next guy. He has, he's the only tackler in the state with triple digit solo tackles while having a bunch of assisted tackles he was one of the leaders in the state for tackles for loss he's somebody who could also get to the quarterback as well registering five sacks and even if you don't look at the postseason right and in the postseason here he did have 27 of his tackles but and seven of his tackles for loss but take that away and during the regular season you still have somebody who could take over games on defense i mean in the chaparral game 13 total tackles, 10 of those solos, 6 tackles for loss in that game. Absurd. You look at the Legend game. This is one of the first times that Ponderosa beat Legend in quite some time. This was a historical win here, and Cape Olsen is a huge part of that. 19 total tackles, 12 of those being solos, 2 tackles for loss. Now, in the Palmer Ridge game, this was a loss here, but you can't say that it's on Cape Olsen. This one or the Denver South game, 17 total tackles in that one, 3 of those for loss in Palmer Ridge. And against Denver South, 15 total tackles, right? So he's constantly making plays. I mean, gosh, the far Northeast game and the Thomas Jefferson game, he had 52 combined tackles. That is just absurd. He does play the run absurdly well. And, you know, is an extremely hardworking guy from, from everything that I've seen. And somebody who, you know, can get into the backfield. He's somebody who forces fumbles you know, and somebody who recovers fumbles as well. Very important in those games too, you know, his fumble recoveries happened against Erie in the beginning, in the regular season, 
and that's a win against far northeast and that's a win he forces one fumble against thomas jefferson in a one point win those were all absolutely massive and just his consistency and his drive and you know his intensity filling these lanes is going to be why i vote cape olsen as my defensive playmaker of the year very difficult decision here i really could have voted for any of these guys it was super close but i'm gonna go ahead and lead towards olsen all right so there you go that is two votes for cape olsen one for mikhail benner and one for rex guthrie here Alright, so it's going to come down to this last vote here, and I'm actually going to go ahead and vote for the Broomfield sophomore cornerback, Mikhail Benner. And so it's technically tied, two for Benner, two for Olsen, and then you have the one for Rex here. But you know how we do on these PMC end of the year awards. We go with the fan vote if it ends up being tied. And, you know, obviously one of those candidates won the fan vote. And so your 2022 for a defensive playmaker of the year is Mikhail Benner out of Broomfield. Uh, look, let me explain my vote first. I got to watch him live against Erie and I was very impressed here. Also got to look at a bunch of other film and his other games. I mean, he's the real deal. At cornerback he is a very disciplined corner and he makes the most out of the turnovers that he does get here you really don't want to throw it his way but teams continue to test him and he continues to make them pay and look in my eyes turnovers matter forcing turnovers matter and you know I get it if it was like a you know like a sack leader who got a bunch of, of fumbles and forced fumbles all that stuff that makes sense and even at safety you know, to force a lot of turnovers, that makes sense to me. But to do it at corner, I mean, first off, that means somebody has to continuously test you. And that also means that you got to continuously win that test. And not only win it, but ace it because you're getting turnovers. You're not just stopping the play, stopping the pass, getting a pass deflection. You're getting picks, you know, and making the most of, out of those. And I don't know if I've ever seen another corner, at least as far as we've done this podcast, you know, turn up like Mikhail has this season. And so I got to award him the defensive playmaker of the year here. Now, let me talk about Cape Olsen. He was a really close second for me. It was between Benner and Cape Olsen. I've seen Cape play. I respect him. I think he's a good linebacker. I think he's a good leader. Uh, somebody that's definitely on our radar for top five linebackers, middle linebackers in this class of 2023. But like I said, I didn't go with him because the turnovers weren't quite there for me but he was definitely a close second and honestly this was really tough as well rex he's done his thing nick long has obviously done his thing at heritage i respect both of them they're gonna probably be on this list one or the other will be on this list next year and so i'm not super concerned about that i expect them to continue to go to work here and so a lot of great options here but I got to go with the standout cornerback. It's not every day you see a cornerback have these type of numbers here. Uh, mostly because all the great ones, you know, they don't throw it their way. But, you know, Benner here, he is a sophomore and people wanted to test him. And so 
he aced those tests. That's how I see it. And I am very impressed with how far he has come and what he has done this year for a very good Broomfield defense altogether, as you will probably see here in our all playmaker list. It will be reflected on that at least. But let's keep it going. Let's go ahead and talk about offensive playmaker of the year. We got a lot of good candidates. Let's start with the Air Academy running back, Sam Beers. On the season, he was the workhorse for Air Academy, and he pretty much, not just him, but he helped really carry them to the playoffs here. Uh, in the regular season, he ran for 1,583 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns here. I mean, he held a very large share of this offense's scoring, and so there's no surprises that he makes this list here. A couple key games I do want to shout out here in the regular season. Uh, his best statistical one, I want to say, was a 63 to, geez, 56 dub over Coronado, where he ran for 381 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns against them in a big-time dub. So there you go. That's his best statistical one. After that, he would have a pretty equally good performance against Cheyenne Mountain. Air Academy only won that game, the Cheyenne Mountain game, by three points here, 42-39. to 39. But in that game, he had 346 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. Absolutely exploding in that one. Uh, another one I want to talk about at the beginning of the season, he had 216 yards, four touchdowns against Liberty, against Widefield. That's where I watched him uh, uh, ball out and play. He had 127 yards and two touchdowns in that one. And then even against some of these top-tier teams like Vista Ridge, Palmer Ridge, didn't do bad. I mean, obviously, they're keying in on him. But he had 72 yards against Vista, 49 against Palmer Ridge. He did his thing. You know, and so I think he's definitely somebody we got to consider here for offensive playmaker of the year because of some of these big time performances. And I mean, this isn't the first year he's done it. He has been a very consistent uh, running back for Air Academy dating back since he was a freshman where he ran for 1,800 yards and 30 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in that one. I know this award is definitely a regular season award just from this year but you know i do want to shout him out did also rush for over 5,000 career rushing yards and 71 geez rushing touchdowns so just keep that in mind you know but let's go ahead and move on to another candidate here and let's talk about one of Windsor's great running backs and players here, Jaden Thomas, another senior back. He ran for 1,554 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns for a Windsor team that would eventually make the playoffs here. Now, let me go ahead and talk about one of the important, uh, well, some of his key games and key matchups here. But one of his most important ones was against Grand Junction Central here. I mean, they... Obviously didn't want to lose this one because then they might have not made the playoffs potentially there would have been that Possibility, but they beat him 21 to 14 in that game. He had 207 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns Another key game. I want to talk about is against Fort Collins here uh, a 5A score, I believe. They won 27 to 21, but he ran for 371 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns against them in a big one. 
against Erie. They lost that one, but still had 100 yards and a touchdown. And then at the beginning of a season, he had a very good performance against Longmont, who they beat 27 to 6. He had 126 rushing yards, uh, no rushing touchdowns in that one, but he also had three receptions for 78 receiving yards and his lone receiving touchdown on the year. So definitely a big part of Windsor's offense and a big reason why they were able to go to the playoffs. So we had to absolutely consider him there now another finalist i want to talk about is brandon bb hills the standout speedster wide receiver out of vista ridge the washington state commit i believe on the season he caught for 1438 receiving yards and 69 receptions or 20 receiving touchdowns uh if you listen to our record watch segment a couple weeks ago he was definitely in the running to break a couple records came a little bit short here uh as far as all-time receiving touchdowns go but you know still had a very good season 20 receiving touchdowns is absolutely insane here. I mean, that is definitely up there as far as receiving touchdowns in a season. I believe it is top 10, at least I want to say top 10 or top 5. So there you go there. Uh, let me talk about some of his key performances here. At the beginning of the season, had one of his best against the legend of 5A school, who they lost to barely 43-47, but... You know, that kind of felt like a little bit more of a fluke game than anything. In that game, though, 10 receptions, 210 receiving yards, 3 receiving touchdowns uh, against Pine Creek. Didn't win that one, but still had 7 receptions, 42 yards. They weren't going to let him get loose there. Uh, against Palmer Ridge, a game they weren't quite able to win here. He still had, um, you know, 7 receptions, 65 receiving yards, and that's against a very very good secondary in general there but let me talk about his best statistical performance his second best uh here against vista peak 190 receiving yards two receiving touchdowns cheyenne mountain he tore them up 183 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns look bb has been an absolute beast for vista ridge he's been braden dorman's favorite target for a reason i mean this dude is dangerous with the ball in his hands you know um there aren't many teams out there at least well in colorado that kicked it his way and if they did he made them pay uh straight up you know and so bb he's worked extremely hard there is no surprises that he is here in the running for offensive playmaker of the year he has been extremely successful so there you go now our last finalist is from Loveland, and that is their quarterback, the senior Garrett Harstead, on the year here in the regular season. He threw for 514 passing yards. Uh, not a lot of touchdowns here, obviously. I mean, they're more of a running team, but threw for 10 touchdowns to only two interceptions. Most of the work he did was on the ground here in the regular season. Ran for 1,352 rushing yards and a whopping 20 rushing touchdowns, accounting for 30 of their touchdowns in the regular season. That is a huge share of their offense. And, you know, Loveland, they are still in the playoffs, you know, as, well, 
right now as of right now when i'm recording this that is november 23rd that's it's right before thanksgiving and if they make it to the next round you know it's gonna be in part because of him you know but like i said this is a regular season award show here and so he's still put in work and he is definitely worth considering here he played his role in that offense and played it at a very high level and he did his job that's what matters so there you go those are all of your offensive playmaker of the year finalists let's go ahead and go to the twitter vote here and see who won it and so with 587 total votes here uh, those are the number of people who voted on this uh, poll not you know the votes that went towards this person but brandon bb hills would win the fan vote taking almost half of the votes here at 48 percent the next closest was garrett harsted at 25 percent then Jaden thomas 17 and sam beers at 10 percent here i mean look brandon bb hills he did his thing and the people obviously agreed so there you go bb gets the fan vote now let's go ahead and look at what gideon had to say here about opoi he said for me opoi is really close Jaden thomas bb hill sam beers and garrett harsted are all amazing offensive players and should be playing on the next level agreed however i'm going to have to go with sam beers on this one he can run he can catch he could pass a little bit and he can even hit a couple pats he can do everything you want offensively and carrying the load of that air academy offense was not easy beers helped the cadets reach the playoffs for the first time since i was three years old which is insane and he has earned my nomination dang that is crazy so that's at least 15 years uh 15 14 years just throwing that out there so there you go the vote is tied or well, the it's not tied the vote is split with sam beers having one and bb hills having one being from the fans let's see what ryan wesley had to say and so he is actually getting vote for loveland's garrett harstead he said out of the four on the list harstead has been the most unstoppable he runs the offense close to perfection his numbers speak for themselves so there we go once again we got a three-way split here between three different candidates and so let's go ahead and see who cody is going to vote for this batch of offensive playmakers in 4a was a really hard to put together we had to leave out some very very talented players here from various programs here but i mean you could tell that, you know, this is a little bit of a clash of South and North of these, you know, contenders here for, for the Offensive Playmaker Award. But, you know, some of these guys, we, well, we've got to see all these guys in some capacity. And, you know, all these guys have shown the ability to completely take over a game. But I got to go for the most constant force from the last two years, in my opinion here, and go with one of our candidates from last year as my pick for offensive playmaker in Brandon B.B. Hills here, the three-star recruit out of Vista Ridge, who's committed to Washington State, by the way. And B.B. Hills here, look, <laughs> what he's been able to accomplish is been has been nothing short of spectacular. 
Look, he is going to graduate as the third all-time touchdown leading receiver. Or I actually believe the fourth all-time touchdown leading receiver here. Uh, seeing as how Roosevelt has not updated Tucker Peterson on this Chassa list. But Brandon Hills ending with 46 receiving touchdowns here. Absolutely stellar years of production for the young receiver out of Vista Ridge. For the Washington State commit out of Vista Ridge. And you know what's crazy is he made this list last year with stats that don't even come close to sniffing the production that he had this year. You know, last year, he was a 1,000-yard receiver, 13 touchdowns on the receiving end. A little bit more work, I'd say, put in on special teams with four touchdowns in that capacity. But he still scored more touch. He scored five more touchdowns this year. You know, he still showed the ability to take a punt back to the house when he was playing against Vista Peak Prep. And, you know, he ran in for a touchdown. Granted, that was in the postseason, but he still had a 40-yard rushing touchdown and almost 100 yards there. And as a receiver, he was just head and shoulders above the rest of the state here. I mean, having only caught for 98 yards in this postseason, he still had like 1,480 yards in the regular season, which was more than enough to be the leader in 4A receiving yards. And, you know, he actually ends this year currently as it stands as the receiving leader in Colorado here and he does so through running a pretty big variety of routes you know he's somebody who can run routes over the middle very well he's somebody who can you know put a move on someone and get open on the outside he's somebody who can run like those whip routes very well he runs his ends very well he's very aware of the space on the field and he's going to be one of our top five senior receivers spoiler alert uh, for those who don't know, but and and he's somebody who you could throw a screen to, and he has a hundred percent. Well, he's just dangerous to to take it all the way to the house. And I mean, there's just a there's not a receiver quite putting up these video game numbers that I'm seeing here. You know, 210 yards and three touchdowns against Legend. They just they didn't have any answers for him. They just had to score more points. Uh, far Northeast the following week where they get a bounce back win here, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Even his less impressive stats, I was actually at the two games this year where he didn't catch over 100 yards, and I'm going to tell you a couple reasons why that happened. Against Pine Creek, they were bracketing the ever-loving snot out of B.B. Hills, and the thing about that is B.B. Hills' danger on the field to get open and to beat you deep opens up opportunities for other guys. You know, Keyshawn Dooley had a phenomenal game during this Pine Creek game because Pine Creek had to double cover BB Hills or because they had to, you know, triple team him at times. And he was still able to get seven receptions in that game and he moved the chains a few times. I'm really sad that it doesn't show the amount of first downs that a player is capable of or has achieved because Brandon Hills would be one of the leaders, if not the leader, potentially, uh, for that on the wide receiver level here then you have games where he's just absolutely the the crutch of you know one of the better quarterbacks in the state here one of the best quarterbacks in the state if not the best where you know he gets 13 receptions for 190 yards and two touchdowns in that vista peak prep game the same one where he also returned a punt for a touchdown but i mean following that pine creek game his 
yardage total is 187, 190, 123, 156, 183, 158. And then in that Palmer Ridge game, once again, 65 yards. But he's opening up other opportunities here. He's helping open up even the run game here by running his cornerbacks off. They cannot beat him deep. And they're also bracketing him. And that Palmer Ridge secondary is very, very so. I mean, the Palmer Ridge and Pine Creek secondaries are two of the best secondaries in the state of Colorado with underclassmen to match up with him. But they are also bracketing and double covering him. So no surprises there. But he's still impacting the game even if it's not through catching the ball. And I think that that's what makes B.B. Hill so dangerous. And I think that's what makes him my offensive playmaker of the year selection here. My nominee, if you would. Because his impact on the game is felt like ripples from an earthquake here. And so there you go. That is another vote for BB Hills out of Vista Ridge. And I'm going to go ahead and lock it in. Not that, you know, I needed to here. But that's three votes for BB Hills. I'm voting for BB as well. And so your 2022 4A Offensive Playmaker of the Year is Brandon BB Hills out of Vista Ridge. Uh, let me talk about my vote a little bit here. Look, respect all the other guys. Sam Beers, he's somebody that I've been able to watch for a couple of years now. I respect him and what he has done for Air Academy. Uh, it's been a really long time since Air Academy has been that successful. And when I saw him live, you know, he did his thing. You know, he was a very explosive and, you know, a lot of teams are stacking the box against him, and so I respect him a ton. And then you got Jaden Thomas out of Windsor. Got a lot of love for Windsor and Jaden Thomas. Uh, funny enough, I think I know somebody, or I went to college with uh, one of his family members there, which is really interesting. And so I've known about Jaden Thomas for kind of a minute here, but really happy for him. He's done his thing, so there you go. And then you got Garrett Harstead. I mean... Ryan Wesley was not wrong when he said he ran that offense to perfection and he has you know he definitely has and I mean he's been a big part of why this Loveland team has been so dangerous these last couple of years I mean he has been that guy for them and he has a chance to potentially win another state championship with the way he has been playing but B.B. Hills has probably been one of the most electrifying players I've ever seen play football. I'm just going to be honest with you. I respect his game a lot. His work ethic is unreal. And, you know, he has done so much for Vista Ridge and that offense. And I think he's just super well-deserving. I'm pretty sure he was in consideration last year. Wasn't sure if he made it or not. Well, what was up with that? I'll have to recheck last year's end of the year awards. But, you know, BB, he's done his thing. He is an absolute playmaker. Somebody that uh, I'm just going to miss watching play. I mean, obviously, he's going to play in college and whatnot. But I'm going to miss watching him play high school ball here in Colorado. And one of the reasons, I'm just going to keep it simple here. One of the reasons BB won uh, my vote here and, you know, obviously won Offensive Playmaker of the Year is because he's just dangerous with the ball in his hands, you know. You got to deny him the ball, you know, if you want to win matchups against him because you're not going to win matchups if he has the ball in his hands, plain and simple. And even then, he's affecting games because you have to bracket him. You can't leave him in one-on-one. -on -one, and that is, I mean, that's just a fact. So, for those reasons, he is your 2022 
for a offensive playmaker of the year. Alright, now let's talk about the big one, most valuable playmaker MVP. Let's talk about the finalists here, starting with a Joseph Capra, the senior Denver South quarterback. Uh, committed to the School of Mines here in Colorado, so super happy for him and will not congrats uh, on that. But on the year in the regular season through for 1,640 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns, only one interception all year in the regular season. But he also rushed for 832 rushing yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. That is 40 total touchdowns on the year and like i said only regular season here that is absolutely insane he is definitely a key reason why denver south had such a successful season and you know got to the playoffs as a higher seed now let me talk about some of the games where he really popped off his best statistical game was against cheyenne mountain uh blew them out but he only missed three passes in this game he won 13 of 16 for 327 passing yards and five passing touchdowns also had 14 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in that one so he absolutely turned up even in the losses he is playing well in a 42 to 43 close loss to golden he won 18 of 20 only missing two passes for 258 passing yards three passing touchdowns also rushed for 55 rushing yards and a touchdown in that one in the very first game that myself and Cody got to see this season against Skyline, um, that was that ended up being a blowout, but it's closer than the score looks. They won 45-24. He won 12 of 18, 180 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Also ran for 98 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns as well. So he had six total touchdowns in that game. Um, like I said, absolute closer. Uh, against Ponderosa, who they upset at the time. They beat them 32-17. In that game, 14 of 18, 171 yards. Did have one interception, but, you know, it I mean, it was kind of a fluke anyways, to be honest with you. Uh, also ran for 15. Well, he had 15 carries, 130 yards, and two rushing touchdowns in that big-time dub over Ponderosa. And, I mean, look. The stats speak for themselves. He has played very clean football, good football. He has proven to be one of the most dangerous dual threats that this state has seen, you know, especially this season, you know, he has really done his thing. And so there's no surprises that he is a most valuable playmaker candidate. Now, let's move on. Let's talk about another candidate here, uh, another quarterback, another senior quarterback out of Broomfield. And it's the Wisconsin commit Cole LaCrue on the season. Uh, well, here in the regular season, threw for 1,854 passing yards, 21 passing touchdowns, only two interceptions, but also ran for 627 rushing yards and 13 rushing touchdowns, leading Broomfield to an undefeated season. And currently, as I am recording this, uh, they're still undefeated, and they're going to play Erie here for a chance to go to state here. And so, look, 
wins are wins and quarterbacks are a huge part of that. But Cole Crew has been a big part of this Broomfield offense here, uh, being the heart and soul of this team, really. But let's talk about some of his key performances. Let's start with the Erie game, um, who ironically, they're going to play this weekend in the playoffs. But in that game, myself and Cody audibled and went to that game. They would end up winning 35-14, to 14, but it was probably a little bit closer than they wanted. I mean, look, here in this game, Cole Crew, he threw for he went 10 of 14 for 172 passing yards, no touchdowns, passing touchdowns in this one, but he ran 19 times for 53 yards and four rushing touchdowns. That is uh, four fifths, I want to say. Yes, that's correct. Of Broomfield's offense scoring in that one, which is huge. Uh, well, have of the touchdowns they've scored there. And so that's a key game for him. Uh, against Dakota Ridge, 12 of 19, 217 yards, two touchdowns, two, you know, two picks. But he, on the ground, tore them up for seven carries, 148 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns in that one. Against Fruita Monument, he went 18 of 26, 186 passing yards, one touchdown. Also ran for 81 yards and a touchdown. That was a close dub, 21 to 14. Against Heritage at the end of the regular season, won that one 17 to 13. He went 18 of 28 for 250 yards, a touchdown. Um, and then also rushed for 30 yards in that one. I mean, look, if you need a win and if you need a touchdown, Cola Crew came through and he would give you that touchdown and that win no surprises why he is a playmaker uh well playmaker and most valuable playmaker candidate here now let's talk about another senior quarterbacks we're pretty senior quarterback heavy here for these 4a mvp candidates but that guy is Braden dorman the four-star recruit out of vista ridge the senior the arizona commit on the regular season, threw for 3,422 passing yards, 49 passing touchdowns to seven interceptions here. It's also worth noting he uh, ran in three touchdowns as well. But Braden Dorman, I mean, he has been a special talent since his freshman year. And nothing really changed. I mean, this year he was going for records and he got really close. I mean, uh, he, well, he almost got to 50 passing touchdowns was just behind by one but as far as passing yards he was up there and by the way my bad he threw for 46 touchdowns uh in the regular season i think i said 49 by accident but anyways i mean he had a very efficient season here a 71 percent completion percentage which is absolutely insane that is extremely good but you know Dorman, he has not only reached expectations uh, for somebody who's a four-star heading into his senior season but i think he has also exceeded expectations leading vista ridge to a nice record here and you know into the playoffs you know they got past the first round here uh after their bye which they earned as well so gotta consider all of that i mean he's gonna go down as one of the best passers in colorado high school football of all time you gotta consider that uh, when it comes to passing yards touchdowns all that stuff you know so he has been turning up and this season was no difference 
he is, I'm pretty sure he's the leader in passing yards and touchdowns thrown in Colorado, period. So, gotta, I mean, gotta put some respect on his name, obviously, and that's why he's here. Before I move on, though, let me talk about some key games here for him. Against a legend, a 5A team, 32 of 39, 476 passing yards, threw five touchdowns in that game, uh, lost that one just barely. Against Pine Creek, a very good team. I thought he played a very clean game here 23 of 32 208 passing yards to two touchdowns also ran in a touchdown as well did have a pick this game but it was kind of like a throwaway it was at the end so i don't really count it there uh, obviously pine creek another very good team still in the playoffs by the way so that's how good they are on the 5a level now his best statistical game was against cheyenne mountain he won 24 of 30 for 508 passing yards eight touchdowns to one interception in that cheyenne mountain game let's add 10 rushing yards if you care about that um before that it could be argued was probably his best game against air academy he won 21 of 27 527 passing yards six touchdowns i mean geez man there was almost a month stretch here well, technically over a month stretch because it was a six-game stretch where Braden Dorman threw for at least five touchdowns. Six games. That's absolutely ballistic, insane. I mean, there's your argument for MVP right there. So there you go. That's Braden Dorman out of Vista Ridge. Now, the last finalist we have here is our only non-quarterback finalist, and that's the running back Noah Triplett out of Dakota Ridge here in the regular season. Ran for 1,475 rushing yards and 25 rushing touchdowns. I'm pretty sure he led the state, or he was one of the leaders in the state in rushing touchdowns, but he led 4A in rushing touchdowns. I mean, look, this is a guy that has put in work. He was the engine for this Dakota Ridge team that did lose a couple pieces uh, to graduation last year between their starting quarterback, Dante Capuongo, who was their best receiver slash cornerback, um, and a bunch of other guys uh, before the season. I know Dakota Ridge lost a starting lineman as well, and injuries were kind of a big deal here, and so... I mean, despite going through a lot of adversity here uh, with Dakota Ridge, he really turned up and did his thing regardless. Let me talk about some key games here. In the first game I watched him playing against Pueblo West, I mean, they had him relatively bottled up, but he still ran for 97 yards and a touchdown in that one. Against Mesa Ridge to break their two-game uh, losing streak here, he ran for 157 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Also caught uh, for 10 receiving yards as well in that one. Uh, by the way, on the year, he had around 300 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. But anyways, back to that Mesa Ridge game. I mean, that was a game they needed to win, and Mesa Ridge would end up being a team that would go to the playoffs here. So there you go. His best statistical game was, uh, I'd have to say it was against Bear Creek, another playoff team, and this was a game they needed to win. And uh, by winning this game, they broke another two-game losing streak, but they won 63-28. to In this game, he ran for 191 yards and five rushing touchdowns in that one 
obviously that was key to help save the season and you know uh, get them back on track here and then uh, at the end of the season against Stanley Lake he had 188 yards and four touchdowns in that one uh, against Golden even though they lost I mean 196 yards three touchdowns same deal with Broomfield 173 yards two touchdowns similar situation once again with Chatfield 134 yards and two touchdowns and so he is a part of plenty of winning efforts here i mean he has absolutely done his thing all season and throughout his career we knew he would be a special uh football player and he showed out his senior year and really helped dakota ridge into the playoffs and also passed the first round as well which i think some people might have been doubting when they were looking at their two game losing streak here to start the season but no triplet is definitely somebody worthy of most valuable playmaker recognition now let's go ahead and get to the votes here for our last 4a end of the year award and let's start with twitter like we've had uh so there are 776 total votes thank you to everyone who voted on this poll but this has been the largest margin of victory I want to say out of any of our end of the year award polls here, at least this year I want to say, but Cole LaCrue wins, gaining 60% of the votes here. The next closest is Braden Dorman with 19%, uh, Noah Triplett with 12 and Joseph Capra at 9%. I mean, these are a lot of people. A lot of people voting on this poll. And so for Cola Crew to get 60% of those, that is absolutely big time. So there you go. Cola Crew wins the fan vote. Let me go ahead and talk about Ryan Wesley's um, vote here before I go to Gideon and Cody's. But Ryan Wesley will also vote for Cola Crew. He said, from a prospect standpoint, LaCruz's commitment to Wisconsin shows a significant stock value as a recruit. His presence as a leader has been outstanding, especially this season. LaCruz has been the spark that has set 4A ablaze, not to mention the undefeated turnaround from last season. Broomfield has been one of the most improved programs in the state, and it couldn't have happened without Cole LaCruz at the helm so there you go that is the second vote for Cole the crew let's see what Gideon has to say about MVP he says MVP in 4a is so close you can measure it with the thickness of a hair it's full of d1 and high d2 talent Joseph Capra Noah Triplett Braden Dorman Cole crew my mind changes every five minutes here but I'm going to go with the crew over 2,600 yards on the season on an undefeated team and 38 38 touchdowns. As of writing this, LaCrue has earned his spot at Wisconsin next year. So there you go. Now, that's three votes for Cole LaCrue. Uh, he's basically won it at this point, but let's go ahead and see what Cody has to say anyways. And then there's the most valuable playmaker race here. Cody Stauffer to bang his head into a wall to try and consider all these great options here. I mean, look, Capra with 40 total touchdowns on the year. Cole LaCrue with 34 total touchdowns by the end of the regular season. And, you know, at this point, at the time of this recording, being the leader of 
one of two undefeated teams in 4A, as well as being at least a semifinalist in the round. Braden Dorman, one of the most historic passers in Colorado history, second all-time on the career passing touchdown list, and almost being the next guy to crack 50 total touchdown passes. And then Noah Triplett, the heartbeat of this Dakota Ridge offense, and one of the most explosive backs in the entire state, if not in this entire region of the country. Definitely somebody who, I mean, Noah Triplett, somebody that we've covered for quite some time. I think he was an Opoi winner or candidate, something along those lines, last year. The uh, years get blurry uh, with how many players that we've talked about. But, you know, all of these players, very, very talented, very, very strong in their case for... That for their case for most valuable playmaker but I mean oh, gosh this decision is so tough and you know if you look at the postseason that that might influence some people here if you look at the regular season you know there's there's strong cases for all of these guys I mean look Capra is a two-star quarterback committed to Mines LaCruz is a three-star quarterback committed to Wisconsin Dorman's a four-star guy committed to Arizona and Noah Triplett is a D1 running back committed to Drake I want to say so you know there's there's case for all these guys all of them are D1 here you're starting to look at a lot of D1 talent as we go through all these lists here but for my most valuable playmaker gosh it's such a hard one and shout out to episode 40 go ahead and travel back in time to episode 40 here where we got an interview with Braden Dorman and Cola Crew on one episode following their sophomore seasons here. That is a flash from the past, but if you can't tell, those are the two guys that I'm wrestling with here. You have arguably, you know, in Cola Crew's case, the best player on the best team, or at least in my opinion, who I chose to win state. That's an argument here. And then you have an argument for Braden Dorman as being one of the most historic passers in Colorado high school football history. Absurd completion percentage. Plenty of attempts here. Finding, you know, way better efficiency this year than years past. Almost cracking 50 touchdowns. Being the second all-time, you know, touchdown leader. Please make sure to go listen back to that interview. And you'll see that we weren't surprised with where these fellows were going to be heading into the future. And, you know, you listen to their drive and their determination here as far as who they are as people, and that will let you know as well. But with both of those in mind, as well as shout out to Capra and, you know, Triplet for both being the heartbeats of their offense, I am going to have to go with the Wisconsin commit Cole LaCrue out of Broomfield High School. Look, you could, you could make it as simple as best player on the best team, in my opinion. Uh, this Broomfield team, obviously very, very well-rounded, but Cole LaCrue has done so much from last year to this year to improve, to be more efficient, and to be a better leader. That is the biggest thing that jumped out here, and the edge that I'm going to give Cole LaCrue against these other guys is Cole LaCrue is the most distinguished leader on this list and that's not something that you can really measure here you know you talk about most valuable playmakers well who scores the most touchdowns well that would have been Braden Dorman here um, and then secondly that would have been Joseph Capra who has the most touchdown shares that's probably Joseph Capra when you talk about Denver South Noah Triplett same kind of deal he's the heartbeat of that offense but 
Cola Crew is the heartbeat of this offense and of this Broomfield football team. This is a community that has rallied towards Cola Crew here and you know his passion his fire he's so intense but in the most positive way on the sidelines we're rooting for his defense and calling out plays you know with that quarterback iq but also going over plays with his offensive line on the sideline being able to check and you know make blitzes adjust plays and have so much autonomy on this offense while also just being so reassuring. If somebody makes a mistake, he's going to be the first one to pick them right back up, all right? If, you know, the mistake is on him, he'll be super duper accountable for it. If, you know, the team needs a spark to end a game, if you need somebody to put someone away, Cole Crew is the guy here. He has that killer mentality and he has that upbeat attitude too that has just made him such a threat on in every phase of the game here. I mean, look, at this point in the season, I know that we were talking regular season, but the touchdowns have started to add up, all right? He has reached that 40-touchdown benchmark following, you know, this last playoff game against Heritage. He is still completing 2,300 yards. He's ran for another 667 here. So he's really, really close to over 3,000 all-purpose yards. His QBR is fantastic. His TD to INT ratio is solid. His completion percentage is good. But that, that heart is the thing that you can't measure. And you know, he's a huge part of that culture that Broomfield has going. A beautiful culture established by that coaching program, by the way, as well as everyone else on the team. Before they ever post their highlights, the first sentence on every single highlight of a Broomfield Eagle, Eagle is great team win. Great team win. That's what they're all about. They're about the team win here. And Cola Crew is a glue locker room culture kind of guy. And that's just something that you can't... He has the numbers to be a most valuable playmaker, but he has that drive. He has that heart to be a most valuable playmaker guy. And that's how he's going to win my vote for most valuable playmaker. All right, so there you go. That's your fourth vote for Cole LaCrue. And I am also going to cast my vote for Cole LaCrue as well. And so Cole LaCrue, I believe, has just become my first unanimous MVP uh, at least here on these PMC awards uh, in the two years we've been doing it he is our first unanimous MVP I believe and it's not surprising at all to be honest with you uh, so first off you know shout out to all these other guys Braden Dorman obviously Noah Triplett close friend of the podcast Joseph Capra as well they are all excellent players that are gonna play on the next level and they're gonna succeed I almost guarantee it. They're going to find some sort of success. They've already succeeded by getting to that level, but I think they're going to continue that moving forward here. And so I got a lot of respect for them, and I've seen them all play live. Um, Braden Dorman, I saw him play against Pine Creek Palmer Ridge. Cola Crew, I've seen against Erie one time. Joseph Capra, I've seen twice against Skyline. And... Uh, Ponderosa this season, Noah Triplett, I saw him against Palmer, or not Palmer Ridge, I saw him against Pueblo West, excuse me there, Cody would see Noah Triplett again against Golden, I want to say, and so we've had a lot of eyes on this crew here for, for a while, 
you know not just this season but i just wanted to make sure i put that out there you know this season talking about all these guys and whatnot and cola crew has definitely stood out the most here i mean look it takes somebody special to galvanize a locker room hype up a sideline pick up somebody when they're down because that's also part of the you know part of the uh, job of being a leader and being a quarterback you know not many people do it well but it's an important job in my opinion and Kolokru has done all of that and the way he gets this room field community going it had me getting goosebumps at that eerie game that's a top that has to be a top five moment uh, for me of the season. Just seeing Cola Crew get hype and see this Broomfield community back him and his boys over there, the Eagles. I mean, that has been special. And seeing them make it this far has been everything, honestly. It has been everything. I mean, you can't write a better story than Cola Crews at this point. Whether they go to state or not, this is obviously being recorded before we figure out who goes to state and so for me call a crew man i mean i've always respected bro i love his story and whatnot and how much he has overcame but going into this season after last season where there were some pretty high expectations and you weren't quite able to meet them you know and so going into this season it's like okay you know Let's see what he could do. Let's see what Broomfield could do. They obviously lost a lot of really good players from last year. But let's see what you could do. And Kolokru has not only reached expectations, but he has helped exceed expectations. And look, this Broomfield team, they play as a squad. You know, you're not just facing Kolokru out there. You're facing the Broomfield Eagles. But when it comes down to it, when you need somebody to score, when you need somebody to make a play, when you need a first down, when you need someone to make a football freaking play, you know you can rely on Cola Crew because that's what it comes down to. He's their closer, you know, and obviously football is a team sport. A lot of sports are team sports, but... You know, true championship teams have that guy that will close for you. When you need a play to happen, you could expect him to deliver. And, you know, I saw that in the Erie game on all those uh, second, third downs and whatnot. We've seen it throughout this season and all those close dubs. I'm looking at those food of Monument games, Heritage, even here in the playoffs. They haven't quite had a close game yet, but I mean, he has came through when they needed. And so I am very happy to announce that Cola Crew is your 2022 4A most valuable playmaker. Ooh, my God, got me going there. But there you go. That'll wrap up our end of the year awards. Let's go ahead and shift here and talk about our all playmaker team. All right. So a lot of people to consider here. Well, first, let me talk about uh, how we do our all playmaker team. And so this is decided by myself, Cody and Gideon. Um, we obviously ask other people's advice and like hey what do you think about this player stuff like that but this is definitely a list decided by us and so if you don't like it too bad it's our opinions uh you could always tune out if you want but you're still here listening so let's talk about it um so there you go it's kind of like all state but we actually have caps on positions and so we won't take more than a couple players at each position i know in all state there are no caps on that not really and so 
Let me go over those position caps here. Uh, at quarterback, we got we will take two. At running back, we'll take two. Receiver, we'll take three. Tight end, we'll only take one tight end. Um, offensive tackle, that's either left or right, doesn't matter. We'll take two there. Interior linemen, so guards, centers, we'll take three. Defensive tackles uh, slash interior defensive linemen, we'll take two. Edge rushers, we'll take two. Linebackers, mostly like middle linebackers, not really edge rushers, we'll take two. Quarterbacks, we'll take three. Safeties, we'll take two. And then for kicker, we'll take two kickers and one punter here. And we do this so that, you know, we got to make some tough decisions because not everyone could be a winner. Let's just be honest there. Not everyone could be a winner. And so we pick players based on who we feel like truly deserve the spot, who truly, you know, deserves this recognition here. And so let's, oh, my bad. And we also have an athlete spot that goes to a player that plays both ways and whatnot. So there you go. But that's basically how we do our all playmaker teams here. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about who made it. So at quarterbacks, this one was tough, but we all feel really good about these two picks here. Obviously, you got your MVP, Cole Crew, he's one. And then Braden Norman is the other one. I mean, you got a record breaker and an MVP candidate. Uh, well, MVP winner, my bad. They were both MVP candidates. So there you go. Um, other guys in consideration here, I do want to shout them out. Joseph Capra, easily on the outside. You know, uh, not easily on the outside, but definitely somebody that would have made it literally any other year if these two D1 studs were on this list. So there you go. Uh, shout out Adrian Rico out of Bear Creek. He's on here. Garrett Harston out of Loveland. He's on here. Now running back. Mm, this one is extremely difficult, uh, but this is what we went with. We went with Noah Triplett out of Dakota Ridge and Sam Beers out of Air Academy. Like I said, both guys who made our end of the year award consideration, uh, both seniors. Uh, by the way, we also have an eight game rule, so you have to play at least eight games uh, to be considered in, well, eight games of the regular season to be considered for this. And so um, that definitely plays a role in this as well. But some guys we had to get rid of or not include here was Jaden Thomas out of Windsor. Blake Stout, I believe that is the Stanley Lake running back. Chris Hunter, um, you have Gator Robinson. That was a big one out of Palmer Ridge, but he did miss a couple games, so that kind of hurt him. Also, shout out Blake Griffin out of Montrose. Uh, look, the way Montrose does their stats, it doesn't really help us out at all. They don't really put them in until after the season, and so it makes it really hard to consider Montrose players and whatnot, but you know, uh, Blake Griffin was definitely somebody who was just outside for us. He led the state in rushing, I believe, with 2,000. But like I said, Montrose put in their stats really late, and that did not help us at all. So there you go. Now, receivers. Um, we have B.B. Hills and Keyshawn Dooley out of Vista Ridge. Obviously, the leading receivers in the entire state. They both deserve this spot here, no doubt about that. And then the last spot, we went with Carver Cheeks out of Mesa Ridge, the senior wide receiver. Some guys just on the outside. We have uh, Logan Miller, Gabriel Lucas, obviously Rashad, Shad Caldwell was there. He was just outside. So there you go. 
Now, at tight end, we took Cash Walker out of Grand Junction Central. Uh, two other guys we were considering was Ethan Ocampo and Jackson Miller. And then at offensive tackle, we chose to go with Landon Davidson. That is the Broomfield tackle, I believe. So there you go. And we also went with Noah, I think it's Authorton out of Longmont here. A kind of a sleeper pick here. Noah, well, he's not a sleeper. He's a big dude, obviously. But he has some offers to play on the next level. And honestly, his film looks excellent. Great pass blocker and all that. Definitely somebody to consider for a top five uh, senior offensive tackles and so he made this list here at interior linemen we got a couple guys we have jackson st aubin palmer ridges center we have jackson clancy that is the guard uh center from erie and then we also decided to take ty Lacrue out of broomfield here i mean we were very impressed with ty Lacrue in that erie game and we feel like he is super well deserving of this spot so there you go. Uh, look here, let me just get through all of these first and then I'll react to it. How about that? But moving on, sorry, moving on, we got a defensive tackle here. We decided to go with Colton Piper out of Windsor and then Devin uh, Furier, I want to say. I am, that does not sound right at all, but he's a defensive tackle out of Broomfield. Excuse me for saying that wrong. Uh, Jeffrey Brown from Mace Ridge, Daniel Desmond from Rampart were some other guys in consideration there. At edge rusher, uh, we decided to go with Garrett Keeler out of Broomfield and Nick Long out of Heritage. Uh, AJ Jordan from Vista Ridge and Jackson Calgo out of Erie were both guys we considered for this spot here. At linebacker, it was pretty tough, but we decided to go with Cape Olsen out of Ponderosa. That part wasn't super tough. But for the second spot, we decided to go with Jojo Garnett, Joseph Garnett out of Vista Ridge here. A lot of guys considered here holding right out of Palmer Ridge, Antonio Thomas out of Mesa Ridge, Grayson Lewis, Will Applegate, David Lopez was kind of a sleeper pick here out of uh, Greeley West here. So there you go there. Uh, but Cape Olsen and Jojo Garnett made our all playmaker list at linebacker and that's uh, it is what it is there. At cornerback, we take three here. We decided to go with Mikhail Benner out of Broomfield, KJ Smedley out of Palmer Ridge, and then Calvin Ward out of Dakota Ridge was our third one there. At safety, we went with Rex Guthrie out of Heritage, and then Josh Gerlock, uh, the second junior, out of Palmer Ridge here. Some guys that just barely missed out. Brett Harris out of Broomfield just barely missed out here. He's a excellent athlete for them. OJ Thomas from Denver South. Levi Hedlund and Tevin Real uh, were other guys considered there. Now at kicker, we decided to go with Max Linderbaum here of Denver South and Landon, I think it's Giebler, I want to say, out of Dakota Ridge uh, for kicker. And then at punter, we took Gavin Helm from Windsor. So there you go. That is your all playmaker team for this 2022 season on the 4A level here. Now, let me talk about the team a little bit in depth here. Probably the easiest part of this list was deciding quarterbacks here. 
Uh, as the season went on, it became really obvious that Cola Crew deserved that second spot. Braden Dorman has kind of been locked in for a minute, uh, especially after that six-game stretch there where he threw for five touchdowns. So there you go. That was the easy part there. Line was relatively easy too. We knew Jackson St. Aubin was putting in work there for Palmer Ridge. And I mean, he is like one of the lone seniors on that line they graduated some guys some key tackles last year and so he has obviously led that line very well there uh jackson clancy out of erie he's been doing his thing for them so that was no big surprise landon davidson was someone we wanted to see in person and he performed really well from broomfield and has continued to perform well for them uh noah atherton uh atherton sorry out of longmont that was someone that we've heard a little bit about we sent gideon to go watch him against monarch and he was very impressed and we looked at his film and i mean geez he is a very good prospect here and colorado we're known for our offensive linemen i would say and he is definitely somebody that's going to make some noise on the next level and then we got tyler crew here i mean he really impressed us against erie and he has been turning up for them on that offensive line and i mean i think he's going to be one of the next best interior offensive linemen here in colorado so there you go there um yeah i mean quarterback and lineman were pretty easy receiver was relatively easy because two of the three spots were taken so just you know bb hills and Keyshawn dooley doing their thing uh they had excellent seasons with Braden dorman and so we had to include them uh the hardest part was trying to decide between rashad caldwell and carver cheeks both of them have really similar numbers uh both of them were number one wide receivers for you know teams that made the playoffs but we decided to go with Carver Cheeks here. Uh, so there you go. Also, wow, I just realized I absolutely forgot to mention one of our last spots here. I didn't talk about our athlete spot uh, for this 4A All Playmaker team. But it's Jacob Trader out of Pueblo West. I mean, great running back. Uh, I'll go ahead and talk about him right here right now. Great running back, great linebacker in that game against Dakota Ridge at the beginning of the season absolutely popped off he was a playmaker of the week candidate for a reason that week i mean he was great and he's continued to do that all year long they've really leaned on him uh at running back and he's performed and then at linebacker i mean he is an energy bringer so no surprises that it's jacob trader out of Pueblo west so there you go talked about that one there um, but yeah, and then the rest of these guys, I mean, like I said, myself, Cody and Gideon talked about them a lot. Look at a lot of film here. Um, you know, obviously traded notes that we had from games where we watched a lot of these guys live. I mean, there are a lot of games that we went to, uh, just to, you know, evaluate some of these guys. Uh, so just keep that in mind there. But, you know, this is a very talented all playmaker list. I'm going to be honest, I said this about 3A, I'm going to say it about 4A here. If you pick some of the best football players from the surrounding states here, you know, made an all-Arizona team, an all-Kansas team, all-Wyoming team, I don't know how many of them are going to beat this squad. 
just going to be real. You know, I don't know how many of them are going to be this squad. Looking at all the defensive playmakers, uh, very special in the secondary specifically. I'm looking at Rex, Gerlach, uh, even Brent Harris who was on the outside, our corners, linebackers. I mean, this is a special team here. And so just going to throw that out there, you know, stir some controversy. It's not really controversy if you believe it's true, though, which I do believe it's true. Um, well, I don't know. I guess it could still be controversy. Um, controversial, I guess. Not to us, because we've seen all these guys play, and we know how talented they are. So, there you go there. That is your 4A 2022 All-Playmaker team. Alright, so if you made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much for rocking with us. Go ahead and give us a follow, show us some love on social media. That's at Playmakers Corner on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, subscribe to our youtube channel and twitch as well episodes and content is being dropped there so make sure you check that out uh at the time i'm recording this we're a couple days away from the 1a and 2a state championship game so best of luck to all of those teams we will be in pueblo we as in the entire pmc crew uh will be in pueblo for that one and then next week for the 3A, 4A, 5A state championships, I believe Cody and Gideon will be at mile high for 4A and 5A. And then I'll be down south in Pueblo once again for the 3A state championship game. So feel free to say hi to us. We always like to talk with fans and players and whoever, you know, make some connections. It's a community thing out here. Um, it's a fam thing out here. We're PMC fam for a reason. So there you go. Once again, thank you so much for everyone who voted on our Twitter on these polls. And shout out to Ryan Wesley of Prep Red Zone. Go ahead and check out Coach Wes here on his social medias. We'll make sure to tag him. And check out Prep Red Zone as well. They do a lot for Colorado high school football. Um, and we appreciate them a ton. But without further ado, we will catch you next week here. 5A polls have already been opened at the time this episode has come out. Well, at least hopefully they've been opened by now if we did it right. Uh, so there you go. Make sure you vote on Twitter for that. And check out our recap episodes. The next episode after this one should be our 1A and 2A state championship recaps. Uh, plus, you know, semifinal recaps for the other levels. And then after that, you know, we've got 5A end of the year and... 5A, 4A, 3A state championship recaps. So, yeah, tune in soon. But for now, happy late Thanksgiving and peace.